Tiny House 3.0, which we feel where we are now, is we don't we don't have we did not have land to put our tinies on. We bought my first house without a place to park it and had to find a place. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 258 with Elisa and Rick. I've always loved the idea of his and hers tiny houses, where a couple downsizes into two separate houses that are parked next to one another, and I finally found the perfect guests to interview about it. In this conversation, we'll learn why Elisa and Rick decided to have two tiny houses, what they've had to do to park the two tiny houses, and how Living Tiny has changed their relationship. They have lots of great lessons to share about Living Tiny and advice for other couples who are interested in doing dual tiny homes. I hope you stick around for our conversation. Are you looking for a compact and affordable way to streamline your lifestyle? I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of this week's episode, Pod Go, and their new Grande S1 tiny home. This meticulously designed tiny home expands from a trailer to a 364 square foot home with just the push of a button. Certified by NOAA and built to ANSI 119.5 standards, the Grande S1 is towable with an F-250 or equivalent. The Pod X Go Home is 99% factory built with healthy and eco-friendly materials, so you can rest easy knowing your home is taking care of you and the environment. It features a fully fitted kitchen, bedroom, bath, and living room with ingenious storage spaces throughout. Pod X Go has even partnered with Renogy Solar Systems so you can live off-grid or reduce your energy bills. Discover the ultimate choice for your tiny lifestyle with Pod X Go's Grande S1 model. Pod X Go has launched their crowdfunding campaign with special pricing starting from just $49,000. Visit podxgo.com to watch a video of the S1 unfold and to get the crowdfunding launch discount. Again, that website is podxgo, that's P-O-D-X-G-O dot com. Thank you so much to PodXGo for sponsoring our show. I am here with Elisa and Rick. Elisa, a spiritual mentor and entrepreneur, and Rick, a finance guy, met, fell in love, and got married in Virginia almost 11 years ago. After experiencing a winter in upstate New York, they decided to move west and came to Seattle in 2015. Both consider themselves to be gypsies who want to travel and explore this country and the world as much as they can. Elisa discovered tiny houses on YouTube. After years of watching others live in tiny houses, they decided to take the plunge and buy not one, but two tinies and live in them full time. They've been living near Mount Hood, Oregon for the last 18 months. Now they are happily tiny housers and are looking to their next big adventure and planning to take their houses with them. Elisa and Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're very <laughs> welcome. And I, I feel like I've heard this so many times. That someone says, like, I could live in in a tiny house, but not with my husband or not with my wife. So um, 
you two, uh, you've like cracked the code. You, you went for two separate tiny houses. Yes. We went to a tiny house show in Portland, Oregon. We drove from Washington to Portland and we saw various tiny houses and some were the old tumbleweeds, which I was uh-huh. like, uh, now that I'm in one, I don't think I can do this. Uh-huh. But we still loved the idea of being tiny because we saw various sizes, right? But they just yeah. seemed really small, unless you got yes. one of those monster tinies, right? And um, But we do different things. We're active, independent people. Rick works remotely, and he mm-hmm. needs a space during the day, you know, to, to do his work. So we, th- we said, well, let's just buy two. We did spend, four, what was it, four months in my tiny before yours was ready, honey? Okay. And um, I only sent him out of the house once. <laughs> I did a but great job. <laughs> hopefully he went willingly. Well, I called him back in the house after I sent him out. But, um, I, you know, it's, it's tough to exist in a small space with two people who already have kind of their lives mapped out or they're doing specific things. So... We are very happy that we have two tinies and we are parked literally about 25 feet away from each other and we face each other. And uh, so in the morning, Rick has a commute of about, what, 25 feet to go, honey, to do his work. That's correct. And um, yeah, but we still live in my tiny house primarily. Mine has the bigger kitchen. We sleep over here. Okay. But whenever guests, oh, go ahead. Together. Together. We (laughs) sleep together. Yes, we do. (laughs) But whenever we have guests, they have, they get Rick's bed over on his tiny house. And it's like they have their own personal space. You know, it's, it works out beautifully for guests to come and we still can host them and they can Mm -hmm. have their privacy. They can enjoy their mornings, you know, or their evenings, however they want to do it. And um, we have found, we actually entertain a lot more people now, and uh, we have found that uh, it's been a great arrangement. Well, I'm sure people have a reason to want to come visit you because you've got these two unique tiny houses to stay in. Yeah, I think that's been the the lure, right? But um, we've had many repeat guests, and uh, we're hoping that, you know, by helping our friends kind of see what the tiny lifestyle is like without any obligation or you know, just to enjoy a nice weekend that they will go back and share that information with other people or their kids and hopefully perpetuate, you know, tiny house life. Yeah. I had a comment on the two tiny houses. So Elisa has a standard model, which is okay. when you face the front, you exit on the right. Okay. We had mine on the opposite floor plan. So you exit on the left so we can see each other. So if we need to get in contact, we can wave at each other from where we are. And uh, <laughs> and because one of the things we want, we're thinking about was putting them in L's instead of, you know, parallel across from each other. Yep. So yep. for that way. So are the two houses the same model, like the same size, the same model, or are they are they totally different? Our houses are very different okay. and we bought mine first. Mine was actually a show model okay. that we saw. I saw at another home show with my mother several years before. And 
I loved it. It was one of the houses I walked in and I said, I can, I can live here. I, uh-huh. I can be in this space because it's a um, shed style and it has a 13 foot ceiling or 12 foot ceiling and it's open concept. Okay. And the way it is designed, the stairs are actually do not have a backing on them. Some people look at them a little strangely, but they, they really open up the space. And his is all one level with a bedroom in the back. His is a little longer. Mine's 26. Mm-hmm. His is 30. Okay. And it's a completely different style. His has redwood and black metal, and mine is blue, uh, cedar painted deep blue with bright silver metal on the back. Okay. So we're very different and we like it that way. And it's always then everybody's like, well, I like her house, but I like his house, but I like her house, but I like his house. So um, it's always a topic of great discussion when people visit it or watch our video. We've had, there's been a lot of feedback on who likes whose house, you know, but we're very happy for the fact that we can express our own individual uh, likings Yep. And still create a comfortable home. Yeah, I, I love I love it. I mean, d- would you say that the the two, you know, the the redwood and the the blue and silver are did did you each kind of decide on the aesthetics of the house separately, a, a kind of of your house or was it a joint decision for for each house? Well, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about mine and then Rick can talk about his. Okay. Mine again was at a home show. I mean, right. I bought the demo model. So it was already painted a deep blue, which is my favorite color. And that's another reason why I liked it. And Perfect. I really love the the blue and the silver. It's mm-hmm. I call my house is called Little Starly Little Starly. <laughs> I can't talk. Little Starry Blue. And his then we built his from the ground up. It was customized by the same builder. So honey, why don't you tell tell uh, Ethan about your house? Sure. So Mine is called Lassen Creek, which is a favorite place that I had when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, so we really kind of stretched the builder. We designed it based off one of their, you know, standard templates. But then okay. we, with some extra features like the redwood siding and uh, the black panel. So this was all done during COVID. So it took about six months longer mm-hmm. than they thought it would just because of the supply chain issues yep and of course being a big dreamer there were things i want that just weren't practical so as i go into what was it level three or year three of of tiny house it's it's kind of like i can see some of the wisdom that they had and not doing everything i wanted so um but you know it's great the temperature is awesome i have lots of glass which lets a lot of light in Nice. And yeah, so it's fantastic. Awesome. Well, I, I like, I can't decide between them myself. I'll post the, the YouTube. <laughs> It'll be embedded on the show notes page for the episode, as well as um, some great pictures that you sent me. Those will all be on the show notes page so people can check them out for themselves. Awesome. <laughs> so tell me about your, your parking or go, go ahead. I was going to say, well, the debate continues, right? Okay. The debate will continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about um, your parking situation, where you where you are living, and, and has that been where you've been the whole time that you've been living tiny? 
you know, this is, we were talking earlier, Rick and I, about tiny house versions. So like, you know, tiny house 1.0 is I'm thinking about a tiny, I'd like to live in a tiny, don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to do it. Tiny house 2.0, you got your tiny. Awesome. And, and, you're, and you're in the midst of building it and dealing with all the fun things that go along with that. Well, tiny house 3.0, which we feel where we are now, is we don't, we don't have, we did not have land to put our tinies on. Mm-hmm. We bought my first house without a place to park it and had to find a place. So we were very fortunate that our builder had just gotten a flyer in the mail of a local RV park that had tiny houses for rent, you know, nightly rentals, right? But okay. they were, they said basically, hey, we're open to tiny houses. Come and, come and live here because we allow people to live here on a permanent basis. So we checked it out literally on the way back home from the builder. And this, this RV park is beautiful. And so we said, you know, because we, there's just no way we can purchase and have land by the time the houses are are complete and ready to go. We'll just stay here. And so we moved our tinies here. And so we live in an RV park, but this RV park is a very nice park. It has a clubhouse and a pool and a hot tub and and it's forested and it has woods all around and so we literally if you see the video you can see we live amongst amongst the cedar trees eventually yes Mm -hmm. we do want our own land or and i think part of maybe tiny house 3.5 or 4.0 it will be community we are very focused on community especially as older Gen Xers that we are, you know, when you have other people around you that maybe share similar value systems and, and just kind of the desire to live tiny, it would be an awesome idea to have land and have several tinies on it, you know, several people living on in their tinies on the land. Mm-hmm. We've looked at communities like Acony Bell and Tiny Tranquility, which are awesome. Both of those are beautiful communities. But because we have two tinies, that kind of throws a wrench into things because in one space, we, were allowed to, we weren't allowed to be on the same lot size. Mm. And on the other space, they wouldn't allow us to put the tinies in an L, like even if it was right up against the end of a lot because of hookups and things like that. And sure. I get it. I totally get it. So eventually, we would like to either invest in land with some other tiny homeowners mm-hmm. or you know, somehow buy a small parcel of land where we can put our two tinies on there comfortably and maybe invite some other people to come in temporarily or, you know, to stay for a short, short time or, or however that goes. But that's kind of the next version of or the next goal in our tiny journey is to find a permanent place for the tinies to reside yeah our tinies are really nice and i know they travel well but they're just not a we just are not equipped to like move them around constantly that's just not kind of our lifestyle uh so yeah that's that's the end result is to have some land where we can do this and we all know land prices now so that's why we were thinking of you know eventually maybe coming in with some other people who would like the same thing as we would and, and either subdivide the land from there or we all go in as investors, you know, and, and, and do our own little tiny home community. You know, it doesn't have to be as big as Tiny Tranquility or Acony Bell. Yeah. Maybe it's just, you know, five or six of us. Maybe maybe there's a listener who wants to, uh, 
who wants to do this with you. Yes, we were we would be welcome to to talking to anybody. We are just, you know, this this is new territory, you know, for yeah. us Ethan and I think for the country as people age and we're we're talking from our generation here, you know, um we don't have the same advantages that our our parents had or maybe other generations had. Mm-hmm. And we want to live our lives a little differently too. So this is how we are seeing things, but I also think it is the way of the future. You know, okay, you have five acres of land. Why do you need all that to yourself? I mean, yeah. share that and have some other people who can help you out as as life progresses and you can help them out. And we can share, you know, kind of community surroundings. And I, I think that's a much better way to age in place than going to an old folks home. Or, or, you know, we're not, we're not ready for that yet, are we, honey? We're not ready for the old folks. Home, but, you know, but we want to maintain our independence. We want to maintain our lifestyle. And we want to do this as long as we can. So this is why we were thinking community, even if mm-hmm. it's a small one, is, is kind of what we're focusing on and what we're looking for. What I was finding out is we've been looking for land all up and down, you know, the West Coast, on the East Coast. And, you know, of course, everybody knows that zoning is hit or miss, and it depends. Mm-hmm. But that's been quite the journey, too, in, in Level 1 or Level 2, is, is saying, you know, when we were upstate Washington, we thought they were really progressive. But we already had our tiny homes built, and we wanted to buy some land. And uh-huh. they wanted to approve the plans of our tiny homes before we built them. Oh boy. And we're like, oh, <laughs> they're already built. And they're like, well, we can't vary on that. And we're like, okay, well, there's a state called Oregon that's, you know, a little more progressive down there. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just the whole journey has just been very weird and very strange. Yeah. We even offered, this was the Thurston County in Washington state. Uh huh. We even said our houses are NOAA certified. They're certified. I mean, they're going to be built to a certain level of safety and the sustainability, et cetera, et cetera. They're like, oh, we're not, no, we don't, we don't, we don't recognize any certifications. It has to be approved by our, our, whoever approves them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little strange. That's, I mean, that feels like they're looking at it from a traditional single family home perspective where you would need the plans submitted yes. to the to the town before you build. Yes. And so, you know, we've we've we uh researched many of the counties around us here in Washington and Oregon. Uh-huh. It's very interesting, you know, as we all know, right? It, when you take it down to the county level, I mean, we even went to Wasco County, which is down in Hood River, Oregon. Uh-huh. And they were very they were very excited that we had tinies. They were like, "Oh yeah." We're down with that. We're we're cool with it. Yeah. And then some other counties, like right next door, said, "Yeah, we, we like tinies, but you have to take them off the wheels." And then you know, uh, one other county said, "Yeah, we'll do tinies, but they have to be on a foundation. They have to be not just on skids. They have to be on right. a foundation." So right. everybody's a little, at least in Oregon, they're 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 recognizing it. But it, it is we, you know, that is I guess part of Tiny House 2.0. When you're really trying to figure out where to live, you've got to do your due diligence, and you've got to. Even, you know, we thought for sure we could, we could put our tiny someplace and that's why I went ahead and bought my house. Right. But, and we had done some research, but when you really dig in deep, it's, uh, 
you really have to do your research. And so that's why we came to the conclusion that for us, a trying to find land where the ordinances can be positive and, you know, or at least they're curious and say, hey, you know, talk to us about it. Yeah. And then to go in on with other people and living there, that I feel like that's going to be something that's going to come up much more frequently as we move forward in this in this movement of tiny houses. Yeah. And I would, did want to say it's getting better every day. More and more states, more and more counties and locations are opening up. Absolutely. The has been doing a lot of work. There's a bunch of other organizations that are working legislatively and with local councils. Mm-hmm. And there's just a whole lot of groundswell support for tiny homes and people are working with their local, you know, governments. And so that's, that's kind of what's needed because you've got to jump up and down just, just to be seen a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the places that have recognized that they have a shortage of housing and they've, they've started to try to address that problem are going to be much more receptive to to movable tiny homes because they are such a great solution. They're kind of ready-made, they're quality. They, you know, not like you are migrants, you know, like coming to to live somewhere for a couple of months, you're going to become members right. of the community and like, and live there. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that's a difference there. The, the, the desire for community, the desire to, and and you know not to say that RVs don't have communities as well, but that's usually more sure. transient. Transient of nature yeah. of the nature is, is transiency. But for us, we we've talked to a lot of other tiny home owners. There are other tiny home owners in the park here who mm-hmm. live here like us, and we've 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 spoken with some of them. You know, we're fortunate that we live in an area where Portland has passed the ADU ordinance so that you know tinies are now much more uh visible uh, on facebook and etc cetera, etc cetera. so people are more familiar with what a tiny house is yeah i think when you go out further people are less familiar and they just think of it as an rv so i think that's the main work we have to do is is really talking to these ordinances uh, councils and counties to say you know we're not transient we're we we want to be permanent and it's just our homes are on wheels, you know, maybe we might take them for a little vacation one day or something, but we're going to come back, you know, we're going to be there. We're going to be there and we want to be members of the community. We're not just here to be here for a few months and leave. So that's what I hope that we can, that we can foster with, I'm sorry, that's my dog, uh, that we can foster uh, that type of community um, and communication with these other counties. So I feel like at, at, you know, I don't know how, how old you two are, but you know, you've, you've mentioned kind of, you know, growing old and I feel like at, at, at this point in, in life, I, I could envision a couple like you kind of building their dream home, kind of like building that last biggest, nicest home that they are going to live in before kind of really getting old. You don't, you don't seem that old. <laughs> Um, I'm, and, and, you know, doing two tiny houses is a, is a really novel and kind of different approach to that. I'm curious, you know, did you compare kind of in cost, like 
you know, building one one standard home versus the two tiny homes. And just I'm curious to kind of get in your head about the decision making process on 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 doing the two tiny homes versus maybe one, you know, small home. Right. Um, that's a really good point. So we have had comments on our video is like, wow, you've spent a lot of money and it's so expensive. How could you do that? Uh-huh. But for the total cost between our two homes, uh-huh. mine was used. Basically, it was a show uh-huh. model and his was custom built. We have spent less than $200,000. Uh-huh. I don't know. Except there might be a few places left in the country. If you're a good builder, like you can build by yourself, that you yeah. can build your quote dream home for less mm-hmm. than 200000 Hats off to you. That's not possible where we live. Yeah. And that's not even in the cards uh, for a lot of people in our age group who got slammed by the recession and, Mm -hmm. you know, who, you know, I owned a condo at one point went underwater during the recession. And so Mm -hmm. I lost all my equity in that home. And so I don't have, and we didn't have combined income. We didn't have, you know, 300, 400, $500,000 to build a custom dream home of our own. And, and even to buy, we live in the Pacific Northwest and I know we got comments on our on our film about, you know, how could you spend so much money there? Well, you know, if you live in Arkansas or you live in the South or whatever, your prices are cheaper, you know, okay, great. You can probably buy a house maybe for 200000 you know, like a house house. That's impossible here. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. And so this was our, this was our answer to that. It, we, this way we can, we get our what we like, you know, he has his house and what he likes in his house. I have my house, what I like in mine. We have built them with quality builders. So they're not going to fall apart in a year or so. And I think that's another thing people are wondering now, how long do tinies last? Well, mm-hmm. our builders pretty much built these houses like they would a little house, a house house, yeah. you know, maybe a few modifications, but we don't have uh, plastic in our houses. They're built with wood and metal mm-hmm. and steel. Mm-hmm. And so, I think for the price that we paid combined, I I just don't think if again if somebody can build their dream home for under two hundred thousand, like stick right. a stick built dream home on a on a quarter acre lot, you go for it. <laughs> but we couldn't. <laughs> and and what's great is that we're very unique people, and we each have our unique tastes, and we like each other's tastes, but we want our own tastes, and so that's really hard to do if you're living in one house. It's like, okay, then you start negotiating. Okay, I want the kitchen. You can have the bedroom or the garage. Yeah. You know, or, or the or, man cave. <laughs> yeah. So you start this negotiation. But this way we can do we can do it our way. Yep. Because what's important to both of us is that our surroundings help us thrive. And that's what our, our tiny homes are designed to do. You know, we walk mm-hmm. in, it has the th- that we need to help us, you know, be our best. The other great thing was, you know, as you get older and let's say we wanted to buy a house, we'd have to take every resource we had, convert it into the house. We wouldn't have anything left over for a reserve, yeah. which is really important. Plus, we like to travel. And, you know, it's that's a, that's a blast and that's what we like to do. So, So we've kind of said, this is what's important to us. And so therefore we can live in a smaller house and still have these, these other items that we can do. 
the, the thing that's really important, I think, for everybody to, to listen or, to, or to, to think about is that when you go out to look for a tiny house, make sure that it's certified, either mm-hmm. NOAA or there's a couple of other, other ones out there. Because a lot of people have just built them on a trailer on the weekends and, you know, this is their first and only or they're just getting started. And so, you know, you want somebody to say, yes, the, the electrical work, just the plumbing works. It's all the, it's all the whatever code there is. So, yeah, that's one of my big messages for people. And I would just like to add to that, that we were able to buy these houses. We were fortunate enough to have the resources to buy them outright. Mm. I didn't want to carry a mortgage into my 60s and 70s. I just don't. And yes, we do pay a lot rent for each of our lots, but that totals less than $2,000 a month and, and well under 200, 200, well under $2,000 a month. Uh-huh. So this way we keep our, our, our finances very minimal, yet we still have all the perks of, you know, living a, ni- a, a nice lifestyle, a comfortable lifestyle. and. I know tiny home financing is still also in its infancy. And that was another reason why we did pay cash because it just really wasn't that many. There weren't that many places to get financing even several years ago. I think that's going to change. I think that's going to improve. And so, you know, there's a huge difference in carrying a mortgage of of $150,000 to $200,000 versus a $500,000 mortgage, right? And I just didn't want to be paying that until the day I died. And uh, so, yeah, that was another reason why we chose this at this time of our lives, because instead of buying that dream house and having that mortgage, we decided Mm -hmm. to get our tinies and pay for them outright. And therefore, the only thing we have is the rent each month. And we are set. Nice. How has how has living tiny changed your relationship? I'll let you take that first, Tenny. Well, I want to hear from both. Yeah, I want to hear from both of you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, buckle in. No. <laughs> um, I think it's made it better, and the reason being, we talk more. I think, and there are times when she wants to be by herself, or she's going to watch some special TV series that, you know, that I'm not as interested in. I can come over to my place read a book or watch TV or, you know, do something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we still come together and we eat meals and we, we go to the store and we do a whole bunch of stuff together, but we're not beholden to be in each other's space day after day after day. And I think that's important, especially for, for everybody. I think, I think everybody needs quality space and quality time to themselves and in their relationships. I would agree. I think our relationship has improved. We we communicate more. It's a, it, very ironic how <laughs> we live in two separate houses, but we communicate more. Uh, we text. We text all the time. You know, we come over. I come over for coffee break at about three o'clock each day, and I bring my coffee cup with the cream in it. He's got the coffee maker, so we sit and chat for a few minutes. The dog comes with us, and we have a really you know we have a really nice time and. I think we solve problems better together now because just this morning we had an issue because it's snowing here in Oregon. It's cold. It's probably colder than on the East Coast. And um, I lost I my hot that. water. 
Yeah, I bet you do, right? And I think you said something in your your blog this morning about pipes freezing over. Well, yeah, yeah. I lost my hot water because my water filter had filled up and then gotten all, I don't know what it froze or something. It just was crazy. So we're out there in the snow, and both of us are in our jammas, you know, in the snow. We're fixing this this water filter, and and um and we're going back in to check and everything. But you know, because of that. We, we we have to solve problems together. It's not like, you know, oh, honey, you take care of this. It's it's your thing to do that. No, it's we both get in on it whenever he has a problem with his house or an issue. You know, I'm over there and we're both trying to solve it together because we both want to understand what's going on with our homes. Nice. And I think that that has really drawn us closer as partners and just, you know, accomplishing things and and especially the fact that now we can travel so we talk a lot about okay where are we going this year what are we going to be doing you know what state are we visiting things like that and um i think for the good that has really helped our relationship because we're we're constantly checking in you know where it's not just like he he's down in the man cave for hours i don't see him i don't talk to him it, it's we have a lot more contact and communication Nice. Well, could you each share maybe a lesson or two that you've learned uh, since you went tiny? Well, I think, you know, the lesson I think I've learned in this is that everybody who comes into tiny homes or drawn to tiny homes uh, come in from various different places and various mm-hmm. different backgrounds and and desires and goals, right? I think the wonderful thing that we've learned is that there are other people like us out here who are interested in doing that, and we're really happy to help. But you know, it's not for everybody, and tiny living's not for everybody, and it's it's an option certainly, but it's not for everybody. And I think we, we've had to learn, you know, sometimes that there are just going to be people who want to kind of debate, debate with us and argue with us. It's, you know, why are you doing this? You know, and, and I've just chosen not to engage for that matter because I think everybody's on their own path and they have to figure it out for themselves. I'm not going to spoon feed you. I'm here to help you. I'm, I, you know, I, I really want to help to help people kind of come into the tiny life, but you have to, you have to want that. And so we've kind of learned just to, you know, this is who we are. We're not going to, we're not going to press anybody on this lifestyle because it's a very different one. And especially for people who are a little older, maybe more traditional, it's something that's a big, it's a big lifestyle change, right? So yeah, I don't push it on people as the best thing since sliced bread, unless that's what you've been looking for. And this is, you know, you really know it. I think another lesson too is talking with builders that there are great builders out there. There are fantastic builders out there. But I would say to anybody, anybody uh, who's interested in the tiny lifestyle and um, are looking for someone to build their home versus build it yourself. Make sure you can communicate with your builder. Make sure that your builders understand tinies. And I think you had that on a previous podcast is that, man, there's everybody jumping in the game now, right? 
But the biggest lesson is buyer beware. You've got to really do your research. And we had to learn that lesson too. We, we, we really had to be very focused on what we want and what we needed in our homes, right? And fight for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that it's okay to say, no, not this builder. It's okay to, to step back and walk away if, if you get a lot of no's. You know, it's your tiny home. It's It's got to be the way that you envision it. So your price may go up, you know, yep. to do all your custom work. Or you can save time and do it yourself later on. But at the same time, you know, it, it takes teamwork. And so you have to have a good feeling with your builder that, when you come up with an idea that they're just not, nope, we don't do that. And and if that happens too much, it's okay to find another builder. Take the yeah. time, take the time to go, you know, sort it out and, and look around. And I would just like to add one more thing. You know, once you have a tiny home, and even if you have a brand new home, I've lived in every type of imaginable dwelling, uh, imaginable dwelling for, you know, my life. And um, so tiny homes are, you know, we have a well-built tiny home, but just like, just like anything else, like weather, right? Who, who knows? Tiny homes react to weather a little differently because they're on wheels, right? So the lesson that we had to learn here is that you have to be involved with your tiny home. And it's a partnership with your tiny home, so to speak, because it's still such a new, it's, it's such a new industry. We, we had some issues when we first moved into the park. We called a plumber. Okay, what do you have? Plumbing issues? You call a plumber. Well, the plumber comes. He's like, uh, I, I've never worked on something like this before. Now, he did, a, he did an okay job because he was a good guy and he, he wanted to learn. He's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take this chance to really check this out and see how this works. And mm-hmm. that's great. But I think as a tiny homeowner, you have to be more engaged with your home. And uh, that's a lesson, too, that we learned pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and and right up to this morning when we were out in our jammas in there the snow go. trying to put a water filter on. <laughs> it's things like being out and, and learning to run, keep your water running when the temperature goes below zero yeah. because you're not on the foundation and, you know, your your pipes may freeze or, you know, something. And so it's, it's being adaptable as well. Mm-hmm. The other lesson that I've learned is imagine what you can do and then try and do it because you never know what you can accomplish. Like I put in backsplash in my kitchen. I'd never done backsplash before. All I did was watch YouTube, you know, as long as you can find it on YouTube and, and watch it for a while. You know, the backsplash turned out great. It stayed on the wall. All my nightmares that I thought would happen, you know, weren't even a thing. So, you know, Try it, and then if, if if you don't like it, you can take it down and do something else because it's such a small footprint that you're not investing twenty thousand. You're investing like a hundred, five hundred dollars to do it yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I'll I'll add that I've you know I I started my build in 2012, finished it in 2013, and I'm still learning things about the house and about keeping keeping things running and moving to this day. Yes. So it never. It's a never-ending learning process, which is is fun. It can be frustrating, um, but ultimately, it just makes you a, a a better homeowner and more. You know, you learn new skills all the time. Yes, yes, we have learned 
I mean, we've owned homes. Both of us have owned homes Mm -hmm. separately and together. And we've learned things that I never knew. And and I'm glad I learned them. I'm really glad because it it also uh, aids to this feeling or the ability to be more self-sufficient. You know, we're not we're not total pioneers. We're not completely off grid. We don't, you know, grow our own food or anybody else, anything like that. Yep. But yep. The, the feeling, that feeling of like, I accomplished this, like, you know, my husband put in that backsplash and, and that I was, we were able to fix our water issue this morning without totally, you know, freaking out and, and whatnot. That's a great feeling. That is an awesome feeling to be able to accomplish these things with your house, to work in partnership with your home, you know? Nice. Nice. Well, I'm curious um, what, you know, I'll ask the question in two different ways and, and take it however you, however you want. You know, what would you do differently, you know, if you were going to do it again in terms of the two, the his and hers tiny house and, and, or, you know, what would be your advice to a couple who is looking to do dual tiny homes? You know, any, you know, Anything specific to the to the dual tiny home setup that that you wish you knew before that you that you can pass along? Those are great questions. I think I would tell other people who want to do the dual tiny homes. Uh, number one, it, it's it's not impossible. It and again, you know, you have to be both have to be really. Um, communicate about it and how you how you want it done it, it it is doable i do feel that in today's market i'm seeing a lot of used tinies on the market now which are they look beautiful so consider that you don't necessarily have to custom build your tinies unless you want to there's a lot of beautiful homes out there for sale so you can always start that way what i would do differently is i This, my rig is a 26 and I like it. It's great. I, I, you know, if I had the opportunity to trade up, I love my home. I would definitely though, try to go a little bit bigger, just a tad bit bigger. But again, you know, that's all personal preference. I've seen people just, you know, snug as bugs and happy as clams in a 16 to 20 foot tiny. It's just a personal preference, right? But I would you know, I would consider that a slightly larger one in the future, but also to consider, you know, you don't have to go through a builder necessarily. If you really do your due diligence and if you're thinking of buying a used tiny, go and visit that tiny, walk that tiny, ask every question you can. And then you, I think you can do just as well with a, a used one too. And and I think we're going to come up into the age now of tiny home renos, right? We're going to have like a little HTV thing, you know, renovate your tiny home because that's we're kind of getting into that with the fact that many people have houses now and are trying to sell them and i i think for anybody who wants to do this as a couple your biggest key is you know know what your life goals are know what you guys want to be doing and and decide if if this is something you're going to do for the next five or ten years or if this is going to be a permanent thing for you too and and know that in the end, if it doesn't work for you, it's okay. There are still tons of lifestyle options out there. It, it's okay if it doesn't work for you. But for us, it did. But I think because we did an incredible amount of homework before we started this, and, and there were still yeah. things we couldn't foresee, but you know, 
we try to be walk in with our eyes as wide open as possible. <laughs> nice. What about you, Rick? Um, it's a journey, right? And so being yourself is a journey. Being together is a different journey. And so give each other, like if you're going to do this together, you don't have to have the same model. Be, let each other breathe a little bit and let, let each person be what they can be and do what they like. You know, give input, but at the end, it's let them make their own decisions. Because I think that that gives everybody the best trust and the best level of kind of empowerment in a way. Um, you're saying, I see what you're doing. I wouldn't do it. But if you like it, go ahead. You know, that's great. The other thing is, so my my came with a, um empty bedroom. We had no bedroom. And so I was able to sit down and design something that was very unique. Uh-huh. With the with the bookcases underneath it and then the bed on top, and so you know, being able to to use your creativity to solve your own problems is is just really fun to do. And so, like for the first year, I would just come and stand in my tiny house, a in disbelief that I was in a tiny house, right? But then also, it's like, what am I going to do here? And so, you know, you just stand there, and after a while, you go, oh, I could do this or this or this or this, and you know, it's just it's really fun to. Uh, to experience that. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, one thing that I like to ask all my guests, what are two or three resources that, that have helped you out along the way that you'd like to share with our listeners? Wow. Well, first of all, uh, we, we are members of, of the tiny home industry association, the Thea. Mm -hmm. Uh, we find that going on their website, provides amazing information all around, from all around the country. It's a great resource if you're thinking about tiny, if you're depending on where you live and you're like, well, how how do they view tinies around in my county in my state? You know, chances are you're going to find some great information on that website and it's all in one place versus having to go to every single county website and try to research it yourself. So that's a great resource we've we've come into that we really really are happy with. Another resource is just, you know, YouTube. And that's how, you know, for, for several years, I watched all the YouTube videos and, and saved my favorite ones and listened to people's stories because I feel what's more interesting about tiny houses than the tiny houses themselves are the stories about the people who, who went tiny, you know, uh, because they reflect people who are looking at something slightly different. And that's not, you know, you might be in the neighborhood where you're the only one thinking that way, right? And it's really nice to feel that there are other people out there who feel the same way that you do. So I would say those have been my two biggest uh, resources. What about you, honey? I would say use existing tiny home members. And like once I have Airbnbs or something like go stay overnight in in one there was one we had in seattle and it was beautiful but it had this kind of like apex window that the triangle window and so you wake up in the middle of the night and you whack your head on it <laughs> um it's a beautiful design but at the end of the end of the night you know you're kind of scratching your head because it because you whacked it too much so you know just try and live in the space so i, I think 
existing tiny home people are a great are a great resource. Well, Elisa and Rick, thank you so much for being guests on the show. This was so much fun, and I I can't wait to share this with the listeners. Thank you so much, Ethan. We're so honored that you asked us to come on the show. Yeah, thank you, Ethan. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you so much to Elisa and Rick for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including photos of both tiny houses, a video tour of both tiny houses, and as always, a complete written transcript of this interview. That's all at thetinyhouse.net slash 258. Again, thetinyhouse.net slash 258. Thank you so much to PodXGo for being the sponsor of this episode. You can learn more about PodXGo and the Grande S1 Tiny House at podxgo.com. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.